Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang. Uh, welcome to the show. Of course, we are back here in the garden, growing things, making sure that we have the information you need to be successful in your landscaping and gardening endeavors. Now, we have been talking, this, this past week we were talking, if you missed the show last week, we were talking about small plants for a small space plants that give you a big impact so small plants big impact now last week we talked about little plants that get three maybe four feet tall or less and if you've got a smaller landscape you may need to be using some of those plants we talked about both evergreen plants of course evergreen plants are, are plants that keep their leaves all year long just like the name suggests they are evergreen then of course we talked about some deciduous plants particularly shrubs and these shrubs are shrubs that drop their leaves in the winter time of course you know hydrangeas are on that list and so are roses we talked about some ornamental grasses so if you have a small landscape then you definitely need to check out last week's program and it's okay if you weren't able to join us live here on WRWH 93.9 FM out of Cleveland, Georgia. Of course, this is your hometown radio. But if you miss the program, you can find it online very easily on demand at NewSouthernGarden.com. You can listen to it any time of the day or night and any time of the week, not just on Saturdays. But we would love for you to join us here every Saturday on WRWH 93.9 FM at 10 a.m. in the morning. Now, I know for Saturday, 10 a.m. may seem a little early, but it's not. It's not, especially if you want to use this fall season to your advantage and get into the garden and start growing some things. Because, yes, it's getting cooler, and we're going to talk about the change in the air uh, shortly. But it is getting cooler. The ground, though, is staying warmer. And that means that you can have great outstanding root growth on your new additions into your garden and they will be more prepared better suited uh, for spring and summer as the temperatures start to rise once again so again last week's program was all about small plants particularly evergreen and deciduous shrubs for your small landscape and today's program we will be talking a continuation of last week we're going to talk about small plants but they will be trees now of course trees are naturally larger plants but within the world of trees you've got very large gigantic things such as oaks and maples that can be 40 60 uh, oaks can push that 100-foot mark in their lifetime. Now, those aren't very suitable uh, for a small site. 
but we will be talking about trees that get much less, probably half of that 40 range from the 15 foot to the 25 feet. And so even though you may think, well, these are larger plants and I do have a smaller space, you can use trees, but you've got to use and choose the right ones, choosing the ones that are going to stay on the smaller side of things. I sort of wanted to talk about the smaller plants last week and then, of course, continuing this week because the size, the size, the average size of the American landscape is dramatically shrinking. Back in the day, it would not have been very uncommon for the average to be several acres worth of land. But now, the average landscape, I talked to a landscaping landscaper friend of mine who we work very closely with on some installations for certain clients. Uh, his average landscape is 10,000 square feet. 10,000 square feet. Now, folks, an acre is uh, in the 50,000 square foot range, uh, about 53, 54,000 square feet. But the average American landscape now is just about a fifth of that, much less than a fifth actually, at about 10,000 square feet. Now that is what we may call a, a postage stamp size landscape. And so I think it's very important and very critical for us to contemplate and think about some of the newer selections that have been bred for size and dwarfism, uh, smaller sizes, because we have definitely seen uh, a, a correlation. As the American landscape began to shrink, well, so did the size plants that breeders were working on. And many of these selections we talked about last week and some this week were bred with that intention or selected for that intention, to be smaller so they fit into smaller landscapes. Again, the main principle of design when we talk about size of plants is really the word scale. Scale. If you have a small size, small size uh, area or plot, then you need to be using plants within the same scale, smaller size plants. But if you have large, abundant, rolling acreage, then you could use much larger plants because small plants on a very large area won't be very impressive. But small, small plants in a small space will make sense, they will look appropriately sized, and they will also give you a big impact because many of these plants we talk about, even though their stature is diminished, their size is diminished. Their impact is not. Many of these are going to carry over the same type of flowers, same colors and variety of colors that you would find with their larger big brothers and big sisters. But it's all about scale, trying to match an appropriate sized space with an appropriate size plant. The other benefit of scaling your landscape, making sure that things are appropriate in size, is that helps with the word maintenance. That helps with the tasks, the tasks that maintenance involves. Many times, many times, well, let me just back up and say, there are two main things that I find amongst our clients at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find us throughout the week. Uh, the two main things that I find uh, folks looking for are, number one, they come in and they say, we want plants that deer don't eat. <laughs> well, it's becoming harder and harder these days to, uh, to match that. But, of course, we've got some shows at NewSouthernGarden.com uh, about deer-resistant gardening that you can check, on, check out. 
And then the second thing that people ask about is, I don't want any maintenance, no maintenance, low maintenance, whatever. Well, the, the main thing to think about when dealing with low maintenance landscapes is usually what we talk about is we don't want to have to go out and trim and prune and cut plants back. Well, usually we only have to trim and prune plants when they are large plants in a small, tight area. If you have a small, tight area and you put large plants there, you can guarantee your uh, amount of time doing maintenance on them, trimming and pruning, is going to increase dramatically because they are bigger plants, they want to grow large, and you're trying to keep them confined in a small space, a small area. So if we are smart about our plantings and we do some more research, making sure that certain plants don't get too large for our area, then the amount of maintenance we have becomes much, much less. You, won't, you will truly have a lower maintenance landscape. I should mention that there is really no such thing as a no-maintenance landscape unless you are growing rocks or something that doesn't change very quickly because, of course, rocks will remain the same for uh, millions of years before they get decomposed into tinier rocks. But plants, they are living organisms like you and me. They are living organisms, and they are going to change. They are going to grow. They are going to need some kind of attention to look the way you expect them. Now, most times you can let plants go and be a bit wild, but they won't look the way you expect. So maintenance is a concern. But the key here with trying to have a low maintenance landscape is to use plants that are much smaller and fit the appropriate size. If you're looking for a screen, if you're looking for a barrier between you and a neighbor and you've got plenty of room, use a larger plant. It'll grow quicker, it'll be bigger, and it'll give you that screen and that protection, that privacy that you're looking for. But if you need a screen in between you and your neighbor, and you've just got a few feet to work with, maybe 20 feet to work with, then you may need to use a plant that gets smaller or can be managed at a smaller height and width. So it's all about scale all about scale and that's really what we're talking about today is different plants uh, trees in particular today that are going to stay smaller but still give you uh, a nice canopy some kind of height in the landscape but not ridiculous height for a small space uh, speaking of living organisms before we get into our discussion about trees i do want to tell you something that is going to change dramatically in my life because on monday unless this little baby decides to come sooner, uh, Eden Rose will have a baby brother. We're going to, as far as we know, name him Ezra, Ezra Scott, and uh, we're excited. We're anticipating. And little Eden Rose, she just turned two, of course, uh, a few weeks ago. She knows Ezra. She, uh, we ask him, we ask her, where is Ezra? And she'll point to her mother's belly because that's where he is, right? And uh, she's excited. We've set up his little bed that he'll sleep in, and she knows it's Ezra's bed. Just this morning when we woke up and she got, uh, was getting her ready and whatnot, uh, she walks into the room and says, Ezra bed, Ezra bed. Very cute, very sweet. Uh, but things in life change. Seasons in life change, and this is going to be a new season for... My wife and I, of course, we've had a two-year-old. Well, we've had one child who's two-year-olds now for a couple of years. She's not been two years old for a couple of years, thank goodness. Uh, but now we're going to have another baby. We're going to have another baby, and it's going to be different. Of course, we learned a lot with the first one because thats I think that's what we all as new parents have to do is learn a lot, and it just comes to us maybe with the help of our mothers and uh, the baby's grandmothers, right? Uh, but 
now we have a situation where we're going to have a new baby and a two-year-old. So maybe I'll ask for your prayers as the next weeks <laughs> come around, because we don't know what to expect with a two-year-old and a newborn, but we're excited. Uh, but speaking of, just to change again the topic, speaking of Eden Rose, the she is noticing, and she's just been on this earth for a couple of years now, folks. So she's already noticing that the season is changing. Every time we come outside, we've got a lot of trees on the property uh, where we live, and the leaves are falling, a lot of oaks. Uh, there are some, well, unfortunately, I have mentioned there are Bradford pears, uh, and there are maples and elms and all kinds of things, which is they're beautiful. Many of them are very old trees. But of course, they're starting to drop their leaves. So when we come outside and she's tagging along with us, for whatever reason, she looks down at the ground, down at the driveway where the leaves are scattered on the, on the earth, and she says, uh-oh, leaf fall, leaf fall. She sees that the leaves are falling. Of course, she's a, she doesn't know what to think of it, which is, I guess, why she says, uh-oh, like something's wrong. But I tell her, no, 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 it's okay. The leaves are going to fall. This time of year, you know, when we're wearing our jackets and our coats, uh, the leaves are going to fall because it's a new season. And I told her, every year, this is going to happen. The leaves are going to fall. And it's okay. Don't be scared. Don't be upset that the leaves are falling. This is another, uh, uh, another season of these plants' life cycle. And, of course, you and I have been around here for much longer than two years on this earth. We know all about fall. We know that the leaves are going to fall. They're going to change their color. The chlorophyll, which is the... Um, which is the uh, pigmentation in a leaf that gives it the green color, the chlorophyll is quickly starting to deteriorate. And the other pigments, which are in leaves like anthocyanins, which are sort of red, and carotenoids, which are orange, and the yellow pigments, which I can't recall the name, but regardless, they are beginning to show through. So on the biological level of these of these leaves and the fall color what's happening is the chlorophyll which is green is breaking down and the other pigments which have been inside of the plant all year long folks it's not like anything's changing it's just that the uh that the chlorophyll is breaking down well when the chlorophyll starts to break down those other pigments show through and shine through so just for a few moments think about this just for for a few moments during this fall season we are able to see something the reds the yellows the oranges that were there all along but we couldn't see them because the chlorophyll the green was covering that up so enjoy the leaf fall uh oh leaf fall it's okay it is autumn we'll be right back now the Delta Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share, whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
Well, gang, the autumn season is amongst us. I hope you're feeling the change in the air. It seems like we've had some fluctuations, and we may yet still, because welcome to the South. Welcome to the South, where the weather uh, has an identity crisis problem. Our climate has an identity crisis problem. It's not sure if it wants to be summer, if it wants to be fall. (laughs) And, of course, late winter, it'll not really know if it needs to be winter or if it needs to be spring. And it may go back and forth for several days on, on end, which is okay. I think that is one of the beautiful things of living in the South, the fact that things are always changing. But, of course, that means that we need to watch out for our landscapes for anything uh, that may be uh, be harmed by coming temperatures, particularly your houseplants. I have not brought in my houseplants yet, but we have been getting down into the 40s. If you are uh, even further north of here in Cleveland, then definitely be on the lookout for weathers. If you have houseplants, ideally you'd bring them in before we get to 45 degrees. And I know we've been at 45 down towards Gainesville, so of course you may have to uh, be bringing in plants soon. But that's okay. That's just one of the things that we have to do this time of year. Uh, as the weather changes. If you're wondering about, uh, since I mentioned houseplants, if you're wondering about how to overwinter them and bring them in, be sure to check out the website for New Southern Garden, which is easily NewSouthernGarden.com because we have several episodes about winterizing, um, well, not just winterizing, but houseplant care, and you can learn all about it at the website NewSouthernGarden.com. But for today's topic, we're continuing our discussion from last week. Remember, our, last week we were talking about small plants, big impact. Uh, we said in the first segment that our landscapes are getting smaller. The average size landscape, uh, maybe in our area, is about 10,000 square feet, which is much smaller than it probably has ever been, and they may continue to shrink. If you notice those new houses that are being built, they're being built on very thin and narrow lots. Uh, some of these houses are just right beside each other with just a little breezeway of a gap. So we need small plants for those small spaces so things don't get overgrown and uh, become a maintenance nightmare. Last week we talked about shrubs. This week we're talking about small trees for your small landscape. Let's talk about evergreen trees first. Again, evergreen trees, just as the name suggests, are trees which will keep their leaves all year long. Now, these are essential, really, because uh, you need something over winter, something to provide you interest. If you just have a landscape full of trees or shrubs that drop their leaves, that are deciduous, then over winter, you will be looking at maybe what appears to be a, a twiggy graveyard. Even though those plants are alive, they don't appear to be doing anything at all. So evergreen trees and shrubs are essential for your landscape, just like this particular one called emerald green arborvitae. Emerald green arborvitae is an arborvitae, and you may be familiar with its bigger sister called the green giant arborvitae. If you have a large area where you want something that looks like a Leland cypress uh, but does get uh, does not have disease problems like Leland, then we usually use green giant arborvitae. But those babies can get at least 15 feet wide, which for a tight, narrow space does not necessarily work. So its little sister, the emerald green, giant, uh, emerald green arborvitae, is going to be about five, maybe up to eight feet wide, about half the size or less 
or rather half the size or more, I guess, I don't know how I'm saying that, but regardless, much smaller than the green giant Arborvitae and still gives you those dark green, fine textured foliage. They look good all year long. Sometimes they'll be a bit bronze over winter, which may be concerning, but it's not harmful to the plant. It's just its natural cycle. And they do get at least 12 feet tall. So they're sort of a pencil-like plant. They stay pretty tight and narrow, but they do climb pretty high. So if you need a buffer in between you and a neighbor, if you need a screen in between you and a neighbor and you have very tight spaces, then using this tight uh, width plant, the emerald green arborvitae, would be wonderful. Again, a thick dense uh, tree that is going to be uh, cone-shaped or uh, pencil-like into the air. Now, you can use these other than as a screen. Uh, Using one, uh, two, or three in a small grouping can give you height behind some smaller plants, so they're great feature trees as well. And of course, because they keep their foliage all year long, They're going to be a mainstay for your annual garden, not just a seasonal interest. It's a year-long interest. They don't take much pruning. They naturally have that cone, uh, narrow cone or pencil shape, so they don't need a whole lot from you. Uh, But one thing, of course, is that um, uh, in the fall time, the interior of the plant will drop foliage, just like pine trees drop their needles, just like, well, just like oaks drop all of their leaves, these drop some of their leaves, like all other plants, and usually you don't notice it uh, because it'll be on the inside of the plant. But if uh, you have a young plant, you may be able to see through it a bit, and you will see some browning on the inside this time of the year. But don't fret, don't worry. If you have an emerald green arborvitae that is uh, turning brown on the interior, then that is completely natural and normal. The last thing, of course, no disease issues that we're aware of, no major pest issues. You may get bagworms from time to time, uh, depending on if they're in your region, but they usually aren't going to harm the plant uh, one bit. So emerald green arborvitae, a great fine textured dark green uh, leaf that is pencil shape or very narrow cone shape. Now, that's going to contrast very well with the next plant, which is a southern magnolia. Now, southern magnolia, of course, uh, if you're familiar with them, very large plants. They get up to 60 and 100 feet in their lifetime. Now, if I were to plant a southern magnolia, I would probably not see it at that full capacity because it takes a long time. In my lifetime, it would never reach that 60 to 100 feet. It might get up to 30 or so. But there is a dwarf. There are several dwarfs, but I'll talk about one. There is a much smaller southern magnolia. And this one is called Little Jim. A great name because it is smaller. And boy, is it a true gem in the landscape. If you like that classic southern magnolia look, but you don't have the space for something as large as the traditional magnolias, then you can go with this little gem. Now, it's about a 20-foot wide plant, which still seems very large, uh, but if you, it might be a bit narrower than that, but definitely 25 feet tall. So you can use them 
out in the border as a barrier between you and the neighbor or a feature plant in the bed. In the long run, they'll be about 20 feet, but usually in the landscape, you can keep them less than 15. But they will still give you plenty of height, uh, about 20 to 25. If it's very vigorous and healthy where it is, it may try to go taller, but that will be a long time from now. So you can surely enjoy the benefits of it uh, in its young age and youth. And then when we are gone, from this world, somebody else can take care of it after that. Of course, being Southern Magnolia, they have a very broad leaf, huge leaves that are thick and leathery. The top is a dark shade of green. Underneath is a brighter sort of brown orange for little Jim, very attractive. And then the the flower, you get the classic Magnolia flower, big, creamy, ivory, white, flowers in the summer that are super fragrant. Of course, those flowers are unique on their own. Magnolia flowers are in a, uh, a strange group of flowers that we don't see anywhere else, but in the magnolias, very unusual. And then later on in the year, after the flowers and petals have faded, you will have little seed pods that have little red berry-like structures, which are the seeds. Birds may come after them. Great to feed the birds late in the season. Uh, but regardless, they can be just as pretty this time of year to uh, cut off of the plant, bring indoors, and make an arrangement with those bright, brilliant red berries. Uh, they really do look good indoors in an arrangement. So regardless, uh, Little Jim Magnolia is still on the larger side of small trees. But if you do like southern magnolia then little gem is a way to use it in your landscape without having to deal with the excessive size that the traditionals get okay gang so so far we've talked about emerald green arborvitae with a shaggy look and tiny dark green leaves we talked about little gem magnolia with those big leaves dark green and white flowers when we get back we're going to talk about another native plant a cultivar of eastern red cedar that's right, Easter red cedars, they get huge. But there is one that you can use in your landscape. Looks good all year, but stays smaller. All right, on the other side, we'll talk about that Eastern red cedar. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, today in New Southern Garden, we are talking all about smaller trees for your smaller landscape. If you weren't able to join us for the first half of the program, then you need to catch up, and you can do so in just a few short hours online at NewSouthernGarden.com. And, of course, every podcasting app you could probably find, we should be there. If we're not, just let us know, and we'll try to get the show there. But, of course, we're here every Saturday talking about gardening, talking about your southern garden, trying new things, doing different things. And sometimes the new things are old things, old things that have been forgotten about, and we want to revive some of those practices. Of course, there's been a big push uh, in the past few decades about organic gardening, and organic gardening is sort of the way our great 
great-grandparents' garden. They didn't have the access to certain things. And on the ornamental side, though, we are using newer plants in the landscape, but plants that were old-fashioned are being made new again. So there's all kinds of things you can find here on New Southern Garden, and of course, we're here every Saturday, but you can be on the website every day at NewSouthernGarden.com. Now, I do want to say that we will quickly be coming up to our Q&A week. Now again, the end of the month, we try to answer your questions. If you want to be a part of the show, and we appreciate all those folks who have uh, sent us messages and, uh, well, telling us how much they like the show and also asking about certain problems they've had. And we hope that those answers have helped you to find some success in your landscape. But you can also, while you're at the website, NewSouthernGarden.com, you can also uh, send us a message and we'll be glad to let you be a part of our show. You're already such an important part. Let's hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. You can leave questions there, pictures, pictures help. And tagging us on Facebook and Instagram will definitely help us answer your questions probably a lot easier, a lot better, more complete. Regardless, we are so glad that you have decided to spend some time with us here on New Southern Garden. And we hope that the plants we recommend today will help your little space have a big impact from these smaller sized trees. So before we left for the break, we were talking about eastern red cedar. Now, eastern red cedar is sort of a a misunderstood plant, I'll say, because it's not a true cedar at all. Eastern red cedar is a native plant to the southeast that grows wild in the woods. They can be quite tall. They can rival some oaks, as a matter of fact, Um, but they can have a broad reaching uh, spance too. Their width can be quite consuming. Now, they are not a true cedar. We just commonly call them cedar because they look like it. As a matter of fact, we call it red cedar. Okay, so red cedar may refer to the fact that it is actually in the juniper family. That's right, the eastern red cedar is a juniper, Juniperus virginianus or virginiana. I don't remember what the ending is, but that just means a juniper from Virginia. And sometimes back in the old day, they used Virginia as a broad span of area uh, because it was, I guess, the first colony after all. So it was all Virginia over here. But of course, we find it now in modern day Georgia, modern day South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, and definitely down uh, further south of here. So regardless, eastern red cedar is one of the few uh, evergreen trees that we have in our native landscapes. But it does get large. It gets very big and it will consume a small area. That's for sure. (laughs) But... Thanks to the modern selections we have, there is one in particular that I just adore. It's called Brody, B-R-O-D-I-E, Brody Eastern Red Cedar. And Brody Eastern Red Cedar is very narrow and uh, uh, not as tall as the mother, that's for sure. So the width on a Brody Eastern Red Cedar is probably up to eight feet wide or so, which is not bad, not bad at all. And the height could be 15 feet. 
I doubt you would see 20 feet, uh, but still, it could happen. It has the potential to get tall, but not very wide. And so in small spaces, just like the arborvitae, the emerald green arborvitae we talked about earlier, it is a good idea to use narrow plants, plants that don't get quite as broad, but still the height, think about it, the height is unlimited. Your, your land space is limited, but the airspace, the atmosphere climbing into the sky is not a problem for, for your space. And the taller something gets and narrow, oh, it's just a beautiful look. But regardless, Brody Eastern Red Cedar is a shaggy-looking plant. It's got those small, fine, little uh, cedar-like leaves. They're dark green. Um, I will say that the new growth on Brody is pretty bright green, so it's a good contrast of dark and bright or uh, light green. And it just looks good no matter the season. We planted a row of them out at Lanier Nursery and Gardens uh, in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. We planted a row to make sort of a small screen. We didn't want something. We had a very narrow space, but in between us and, and our neighbors. And we wanted something that would stay tight, but would climb into the sky so that we give particularly the neighbors some privacy because of course we're a business and they are a residential neighbor and so we wanted to give them a little bit of privacy even though they have no problem with us being there they're always friendly they come over and ask about plants and buy plants from us all the time they love plants but regardless it's just a good idea to create um, to let them have their space and us have theirs and you can do the same in your landscape with your neighbors with the Brody Eastern Red Cedar. Now, of course, these are not a flowering plant like the southern magnolia, the little gem magnolia we talked about. These plants don't produce flowers. They don't have the ability to produce flowers. They do produce cones because they are in that group of plants like pine trees and other cedars um, and cypresses that can produce cones. And from time to time, I do see these brody eastern red cedars producing cones, but they're not really a distraction, and it adds just another texture and color to the plant uh, if they happen to produce them. But Brody Eastern Red Cedar is a quite narrow guy, again, clocking in about 5 to 8 feet wide, and as far as height, 15, 20, maybe a little taller uh, if you don't do some trimming on it. But regardless, it's a small tree for smaller spaces. Now, the last tree that I want to talk about is called well, it's another magnolia, actually, a magnolia, a native plant. It's called sweet bay magnolia. Now, sweet bay magnolia is similar to southern magnolia in that it is evergreen. It keeps at least most of its leaves over year. Young trees may drop some of their leaves, but as they age, those trees tend to keep their leaves all year long. But the sweet bay is a magnolia that usually is grown with multi-trunks, so kind of that crepe myrtle look as far as just not a single stem, but several stems climbing into the air. And it has a sort of oval, elongated oval, ellipsis-shaped leaves that are a more, um, not a very dark green, a paler green, kind of pushing into a gray. But underneath those leaves is the main attraction. Underneath those uh, kind of olive gray leaves, they olive green leaves, I should say, those plants have a silver underlining. Those leaves have a silver underlining. So when a wind catches these and the leaves shake and jiggle a little bit and sway in the wind, you sort of get these flecks of silver underneath. Now, I don't mean bright chrome silver, no, but definitely a bright, almost white color that looks really good 
uh, as it kind of shakes and, and blows in the wind. Really attractive. Now, Sweet Bay Magnolia, just like Southern Magnolia, does bloom. It is a blooming plant, and it blooms in the summer, uh, probably just a little later than Southern Magnolia, but could bloom on and off uh, up until frost. Its blooms are much smaller. They're much smaller than the Southern Magnolia, whose blooms are super large, could be 12 inches in diameter eventually. Uh, But the Sweet Bay's are probably no bigger than six, maybe three inches in diameter. They are a definitely more ivory cream white, not a a pearly white by any means. But the key here is that Sweet Bay Magnolia's flowers are just as fragrant as Southern Magnolia, maybe even more so. And so many people come to the nursery asking for Sweet Bay Magnolia specifically because they want to have that fragrance from those flowers. They want that fragrance. If you've ever smelled a Sweet Bay Magnolia, you won't forget it, and you will want to have one in your landscape. Now, as far as their size, they are probably about the size of the little Jim Magnolia. Uh, They, too, could span about 15 and 20 feet wide, uh, which is a good idea if you want a small shade tree and maybe do some planting underneath them with hydrangeas or azaleas or something. Uh, but the height will be taller than that, probably 25, maybe pushing 30 in its lifetime. But it could take some time to get to that size. So uh, in my lifetime, I would probably see it. I don't know how long I'll live. I haven't decided yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully a long time. I would probably see it get to its si- to that size. But regardless, you can do some trimming and snipping if you need to. So it is a smaller plant in the fact that it might be up to 25 feet tall, definitely 15 feet wide, and you can plant underneath it. You can limb up the lower limbs and let uh, just a beautiful skirt of plants underneath it. Uh, it will be a great piece for a corner or a pocket, like the edge of the property where you don't know what you need. Put a tree there, something like a Sweet Bay Magnolia, and do some planting underneath Okay, gang, so these are uh, four evergreen trees that I really think you will like. They are essentially fuss-free. They are smaller as far as trees go. There's no need to put something like an oak tree that could be 60 to 100 feet wide and 30 feet, sorry, 60 60 to 100 feet tall, 30 feet wide. No need for that in your small space. Use something like Emerald Green Arborvitae, Little Jim Magnolia, the Brody Eastern Red Cedar, or the Sweet Bay Magnolia. They're all great cho- uh, great choices and great candidates for a small space. Now, those are evergreen trees, but I do want, as we uh, near the end of the program, I do want to talk about deciduous trees. Again, deciduous trees are those trees that will drop their leaves in the fall and be naked stems all winter long. The very first uh, tree that I would recommend to you would be an an eastern redbud. Of course, most people just know it by redbud. Eastern redbud refers to the fact that it's from the southeastern part of our country here. And the eastern redbud is a beautiful small tree. They The sizes can vary depending on the variety or the types that you get, but they all will be blooming in the late winter, early spring. If we have a warm late winter, they'll probably bloom earlier than they normally do. But late winter, early spring blooms. Now, they bloom before any leaves on the tree come out. So you have a blooming tree on naked stems, 
late winter, and usually the color is going to be in the purples, pinks, reds. There are a few varieties that bloom white, which is really nice, but they are in the bean family, the legume family, and their flowers look like little bean flowers. So if you can imagine just wads of pink, uh, purple, reddish colored blossoms uh, scattered along the naked stems of this plant in the late winter, It is definitely a signal to you that spring is on the way, and they can be an outstanding plant. I planted one. I got a young little whip of a red bud uh, one time. Actually, the same year Eden was born, and I kept it in a pot until we came out to uh, where we live now, where we bought our property, and I planted it out here, and that's going to be Eden's tree. Uh, because I got it that year she was born, and I thought it would make a great uh, statement. So it will sort of be about the same age as she is as she begins to grow up. But red buds do come in several varieties. There's one called Appalachian Red with red flowers. There's one called Ruby Falls, which is a weeping variety. It weeps over, the the branches fall over. Uh, And then Merlot is a red leaf form. It has a heart-shaped leaf, a red leaf, and they are quite dramatic. They can get into that uh, 15-foot to 25-foot range and could be just as wide as far as the canopy goes. But redbud is one of those native plants that we just love, and they are one of the first plants to bloom. They signal to us that spring is on the way, and when it's still cold and chilly, you have a beautiful, bright pop of color. When we get back, more deciduous trees that are small for your small landscape. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. All right, gang, well, just a few more minutes to go on today's show. It's always that bittersweet, that bittersweet feeling because, you know, even though our time is coming to an end, you can get outside and do some planting. And that's the sweet part because knowing that, uh, you know, when, when my voice goes away from your radio, <laughs> you'll be able to get busy and get things growing in your landscape is a very good thing to know. And of course, if you have anything happening in your landscape that you need some help with or some guidance with, well, feel free to uh, contact us online at NewSouthernGarden.com because we will be having our Q&A week in the next coming weeks. I'm not sure what the UGA football schedule is like. And of course, anytime there's an early game, um, I think it's coming soon, an early game, uh, we may be behind a week, but that's okay. We will get to your questions and we want to help you be more successful and do wonderful things in your landscape. So definitely send us a message 
message online at NewSouthernGarden.com, of course, on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have nothing else to do this week uh, during, say, work or commuting to work or after work when you're relaxing, feel free to check out New Southern Garden on your podcasting apps, on your smart device, and you can listen on demand to any of the shows we've had. We are really nearing 140 episodes over the course of the uh, uh, three years or so that we've been uh, here at WRWH 93.9 FM. So there's a lot of information for you there online as well. Now, to wrap up today's discussion, we are talking about small trees, in particular small plants, that are going to be giving you a big impact for your small space. We left off with redbud, which is the eastern redbud. That is our native redbud tree. It's a wonderful, beautiful blooming tree in the early spring. You need to check out redbuds for your space. Then, of course, we can use some plants that aren't native here. It's okay to use some as long as they're not invasive species. And this next tree is a dogwood that is from China. Now, dogwoods have long been a great landscape staple in the south because we do have a native dogwood. But I will say that our native dogwood is suffering from a number of diseases and potential problems that shorten their lifespan and give them some issues. And uh, surprisingly, or maybe not too surprisingly, these diseases did come over with Chinese varieties of dogwoods, uh, which they the Chinese diseases uh, and the Chinese dogwoods were able to fend each other off, or rather the Chinese dogwoods learned how to fend off those Chinese diseases. But when the Chinese diseases came over here with the Kusa dogwood and others, our native dogwoods did not know how to respond. And so we will see if uh, uh, the next few years gets worse or better for them. But you can use Chinese dogwoods and not have to worry about those Chinese diseases because they tend to be better resistant, uh, more disease resistant to those diseases. There's one called Bernice dogwood or Bernice evergreen dogwood. And the reason I want to mention this one is because it's one of the few, maybe only, uh, dogwoods out there that maintain their leaves all year. Now, I grouped this with the deciduous trees uh, because these are a blooming tree, but they do actually hold on to most, if not mostly, all their leaves over winter. The leaves just happen, instead of being bright green like they are in the summer, these leaves do tend to turn into purples and reds kind of modeled together. So it looks different, but it is cool to have a dogwood that has leaves all year long. That's the Bernice Evergreen Dogwood. They bloom... Um, probably later than spring, closer into summer, uh, but they do have a kusa-like dogwood flower, a kusa dogwood-like flower, which is white. They sort of come to a point. The petals come to a point, whereas our native dogwoods are more rounded. These do come to a point, and they can give you a beautiful display in the summer with those ivory, sort of creamy, creamy white uh, flowers. Now, other than that, the size of Bernice is much smaller. It's still in that up to 20, 25-foot range. They grow maybe a foot a year, so they're not going to get to that size too quickly, which, of course, is a benefit for a small space. So regardless, it's a smaller tree that you could plant things underneath. They will maintain their leaves. This evergreen dogwood will keep its leaves all year. Even though they don't look the same all year, they are on the tree. And of course, flowers in the summer, who could resist that? So Bernice Evergreen Dogwood. Now, a couple more trees, and these are native species. There's a great plant called American Fringe Tree. 
The American fringe tree is a smaller tree growing up to potentially 35 feet, but probably not that in a person's lifetime. They do grow slow, maybe 6 to 12 inches a year, but uh, with that in mind, you can keep them smaller because they're not shooting up into the air very quickly. Uh, Their width is probably 15, maybe 20 feet. So again, for a tree, smaller tree, uh, but here's the beauty of the fringe tree. They bloom about the same time as a redbud in the late winter, early spring. And when they bloom, they have these very fringy-like flowers, which is how they get their name. Some people call this Grancy Graybeard because the flowers are white and shaggy, uh, like thin little strips of ribbon, just all flowing down the branches of that tree like a gray beard, just like a gray beard. Now, they don't bloom for very long, of course, like most uh, blooming trees, but when they bloom, they usually bloom before the leaves or as the leaves are starting to come out, so it can be a great, great display of early spring blossoms. Then, of course, in the summer, they make a a, a nice small shade tree if you limb them up and uh, be able to, you know, walk underneath them or plant underneath them because uh, they will just have green leaves, very elongated green leaves that are nice. Uh, but it's the fall that they show off again. In the fall, the fringe trees can have a gorgeous golden yellow fall color. Very uh, bright yellow fall color. And of course, that leaves us uh, into winter when there's not much left, but of course, some twigs. But regardless, American fringe tree is a great small tree for your space. Now, lastly, and I know I don't have enough time to uh, describe how much I love this plant, but serviceberry. Serviceberry, there are several species and varieties, but they're all quite similar. Uh, just a few minor differences between them. Serviceberry is that plant that blooms kind of like a cherry tree or an apple tree, very early spring, white flowers, thin petals, uh, but it's a great replacement for a cherry tree, which tends to suffer in our summers. Serviceberry does not. After the white blooms come out, then of course we go into a sort of blue-green leaf, which is very nice, a different shade of green all summer long. And then in the fall, those blue-green leaves turn very quickly. They're doing it right now at the nursery. They're turning into this red-orange-yellow mottled look. And this plant is in that 25-foot range, probably narrower in uh, width but a small tree for your small space for sure. Now, I do want to tell you before we have to leave the reason serviceberry is called serviceberry. Well, I should mention in the fall, they also produce berries, okay? They do produce berries. They, they, they may have some berries remaining, but the birds love them. Serviceberry is called serviceberry because back in the old day when the ground would freeze over winter and our loved ones, people's loved ones would, would uh, pass away, they couldn't dig a hole. And they couldn't dig a hole until the ground started warming up. And the ground started warming up about the time these service berries bloomed. So it was the only tree. It was the only tree that people had access to with flowers. And so after they started burying their dead in the late winter, early spring, when service berry was blooming, they'd go into the woods, collect branches and boughs of the service berry tree, and use those as ornamentation and as a gift and a memory of those loved ones at their grave sites. Gang, you've got redbud, you've got evergreen dogwood, fringe tree, and serviceberry added to the list of small deciduous trees for your small landscape for a big impact. Next week, join us for uh, uh, anything in the garden. <laughs> Hope you stay well and grow well. See you next time. Hey. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.